Here we go. The three amiibos are here, recording for you. If you play the games, you can join in too. Put your hands together. Give them a rub as we take you to Donkey Kong Games Club. Huh, DK. Donkey Kong. The crew is back. You know them well. Connor, July, and Jeremy will kick some tail. We'll cover eight games every other week. Otacon will piss himself like a freak. From arcades to tropical freeze, this games club will meet all of your needs. Huh, DK, Donkey Kong, PA. Patreon.com. Be sure to go to patreon.com slash super NPC radio and subscribe at the $10 DJ Toad tier to hear each episode of the Donkey Kong Games Club. Patreon.com slash super NPC radio at the $10 DJ Toad tier. What's that? It's gonna be bananas. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest, always of the most patient variety, to hear from them about a meaningful video game from their past. Uh, On the show, I like to get into not only what our guest loves and uh, admires about the game and what they remember about it, as uh, I do the context of when they played it and if there was anything meaningful to share from that time. Uh, If you're looking to support the show, there's a few ways that you can do that. You can check us out on social media. Uh, We are on Instagram at callmebyyourgamepod, and we're on Twitter at callmebyyourgame, but on Twitter, we just have one Y. Uh, At both of those websites, you can uh, see what episodes we have coming out each week. You can learn a little bit about our guests and how to support them. Uh, See the cool art I make. Uh, It's just fun. Uh, You can even like our stuff. I mean, now that's the most fun thing of all. Uh, You can also support the show by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if it's positive or it's just not, you know, mean-spirited, I'll read it on the show. Uh, Haven't had anything like that yet, so... I uh, don't think there's much to worry about, but hey, it's the internet, so who the hell knows? Uh, you can also, sh- also share the show with a friend, whether they love video games or uh, this game we are talking about today for the main event. And lastly, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. And if you subscribe and uh, support us financially there, whether it's at the $5 or the $10 DJ toad tier, you get a ton of bonus content from not only me, but our other collaborators on our network, all video game stuff too. It's a blast. Um, right now we are, we've just kicked off our Donkey Kong games club. We're going through eight games in the Donkey Kong series through November. And we just covered the original arcade game, uh, as well as a little bit of a chat about Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong 3. But yeah, that's some of the awesome stuff you can find over there at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Speaking of patience, I'll go ahead 
and introduce my guest who was just so patient letting me talk for uh, what is now two and a half minutes about the intro of the show. Please welcome uh, Hunter Extraordinaire, David Olson. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Finally. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Now, when you say finally, uh, it's it's as if uh, you thought it was never going to happen. But my friend, it was always it was always in the stars. Uh, I've just been sitting at home, twiddling my thumbs, <laughs> waiting long nights, just tanking your whole yeah. life and career. <laughs> yeah, going because... when will come? <laughs> and you know what? There's there's always a right time for everybody's episode, and my friend. This is the right time. Uh, so I'm so happy to have you on the show. It has been a very long time coming. Um, I know you um, through my good, I think originally, uh, my good friend, our good friend, uh, another uh, Sarasota native, uh, Anna Salinas, uh, must have had us both over at a party at her old house uh, near, uh, why, why can't I think of the name? It's closed now. Uh, the Study. Uh, yep. the public house, you know, that whole area over in Los Feliz. Uh, but I know that's how we met because that's the friend group that I would occasionally be around for to hang out with you in. Yeah. So I met you through Anna. I may have met you for the first time over at UCB. Oh, very possible. Possibly just sitting next to you at a show or something. And then I would constantly run into you at the study, uh, when you were with a bunch of friends and you yeah. really did not want me to sit with you. yes i would uh that's the exact type of person i am is to just refuse an entrance i forget we did get to run into each other solo a bunch of times which is probably when i even told you about the show in general like i think maybe you you must have been i'm gonna guess shane was with you yeah i accidentally almost ran you over across sunset when you were helping a homeless man out of the street (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know you saw that. Uh, that is so funny. I just assumed no one ever – that felt – that day felt like I was in some weird bubble where like uh, it was just like almost a haze like I dreamt that that day happened. But I'm glad you didn't run me over. I appreciate that. I think, I think you know, friendship in Los Angeles is really how many times you accidentally run over somebody while they're crossing sunset. Yeah, it. I don't know what other metric you would measure it by. There is none. Yeah, thank you. You know what? Thank you for helping me understand <laughs> that today. But yeah, we've known each other for, I don't know, probably like four or five years, probably closer to five years at this point. I don't know. I couldn't pinpoint the exact time. Um, but that that's how I know you. That's just a fun, cool guy to hang out with and run into. But um, – who are you? What do you want to share with the listener about who this uh, mystery man, David Olson, is? Um, I don't think there's too much mystery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, because I'm, I'm think you're mysterious. Because <laughs> I'm about to tell it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in Florida, um, and much like a lot of people that grew up in Florida, they dreamt for the first 18 years of their life of getting out of Florida, um, which is a struggle in and of itself and much harder to do than you would think. Um, Ended up in Chicago for about six years where I barely survived the winter being a good (laughs) Florida boy. (laughs) A challenge Um, for truly anyone, let alone someone who grew up in a, a hot and humid climate. Oh, man. The camaraderie, just because of how cold the winter is, is remarkable in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, the city really bands together, and it was such a great place to live. What were you doing there? I went to college there to oh, cool. film. 
I initially went for stop motion animation um, and film school and then realized that stop motion animation is incredibly difficult. And I was 18 years old and would rather drink a beer. <laughs> so I kind of tossed that aside when I realized that I just did not have the knack for or the timing for animation specifically. Mm-hmm. And then found film and then inevitably found um, CG and VFX, which is what actually led me out to Los Angeles. Yeah, um, and still CGing and VFXing, right? Still CGing, still VFXing. Um, I don't think I know how to do anything. I have no other marketable skill at this <laughs> point. I've put too many eggs in this basket. I think I'm stuck with it. Well, you know, thankfully, it seems like a basket that is only. Uh, the I guess the basket's growing is the is the, the everybody knows that something. saying everybody knows that phrase yeah but that, so you pick the right basket to put your eggs in because uh, it doesn't seem it seems like that is going to be uh you know that I guess art form in cinema is going to be uh, around for a long time and and is only growing seemingly wait you're telling me they're making another CG movie. Yeah, uh, pal, and it's called every movie that's yeah. ever out. You're telling me they're making three new avatars? <laughs> yeah, well, is that how many they're doing? Are they really doing three more? They're supposed to be a four? four, four? I think so. That's the incre- That is, I mean, I'm sure there have been franchises that have had like one huge mega hit and then ten, but no, nothing that followed up immediately. And then I guess have had subsequent sequels come out 10 years. I mean, at this point, 13 years later. I mean, if you work for Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, Blade Runner is cool. Blade, you know what? I guess uh, that settles it. This yep. It's going to work. We're pro-Avatar here because of Blade Runner. <laughs> yes. I'm pro-Avatar because the ride at Disney World is pretty cool. Have you been on that thing? I haven't. So growing up in Florida and being around Disney World, the entire, like, you know, childhood yeah. the idea of going to another theme park in my life is gonna it's like pulling teeth i can't do it <laughs> that's fair uh, i've waited in enough lines yeah uh absolutely understand well it's cool if you ever like wake up from a fever dream and you're at the animal kingdom i, I i'd say give it a shot we're talking the one in florida yeah oh god now i gotta go back to florida to ride avatar rides no, I'm saying if you wake up from like a haze or a or a trip or something and you're there, then do it. I don't want to make you go there. I'm. What I've heard is that you just told me it's the best ride and the only reason to go to Florida. You know what? If that's how we want to phrase that, uh, rephrase that, frame that sentence, I'm all for it. Um, uh, all right. I mean, anything else? I feel like you just gave us a lot of good information about yourself. You're out here working in CG and VFX. Anything else you want to share about yourself? I mean, uh, yeah, there it is. I'm kind of find myself in this incredible position to kind of, you know, with my work being VFX and the way that all video game engines are going, I'm, I'm really at this, you know, this connection point between video games and film because hmm. most of my job is utilizing video game engines now for television and for filming. Wow. Um, primarily I worked on a lot of the new technology for like Mandalorian and Boba Fett um, Mm. the past few years. And a lot of that is, you know, kind of all real time video game engines because they've gotten so good that they're starting to cross over with film. And it's, it's such an interesting, you know, time to be in this technology and especially in the industry of VFX because literally video games and film are, are butting heads and they're just kind of having so much crossover and the potential is just extreme for both 
making movies and television better, but also making video games significantly better. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's been a lot of fun to kind of be, you know, on the other side of not only playing the game, but being, you know, part of the development of technology and pushing yeah. all these things so far and then seeing, you know, what other teams are doing with it as well. Um, so it's been incredible. And I have the luxury of most of my friends being, you know, video game developers, which is exactly what we all said we wanted to do when we were 12, when we played Ocarina of Time for the first time. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's a lot more work than just playing a video game. It's not as fun as we all thought it would be. <laughs> it's probably pretty, more stressful. Yeah, it's pretty terrible a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, I didn't realize that you would be using video game engines to do a lot of your work. Are you e- even like allowed to say what engines you use? I mean, most everybody uses Unreal just because Epic is so supportive. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just such a sturdy you know, engine um, that speaks well with a lot of different softwares. Um, mm-hmm. So that ends up being, you know, the engine that we use to, you know, look dev stuff, um, to do layout for environments, because when you end up working with, you know, creators or anything, you can do stuff really quickly on the fly. And that's important because in Hollywood, it really is time is money um, and nobody has enough time especially when these movies keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So anything that can speed stuff up becomes, you know, crucial. It's important. Mm. Wow. That's so cool. Uh, I'm really glad that you included that last part because uh, I feel like it's just sort of tying to tying you into your love for games as well. And it's cool that you are you're working in slash adjacent to that. That's really fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, Plus, I know all the secrets. Ooh, secrets. Uh, uh, Let's—I'm sure we're going to hear all of them on the show. Nope, none. He's—we're getting a big shake of the head uh, for the for the listeners at home. And you know what? That's okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. Dip out, dip out. (laughs) Oh, cool. The listenership—it's—is just dropping precipitously. Uh, David, before we get into your history with video games in general, because I want to go through that. Would you mind introducing for us the game that you've brought on to discuss for the main event? Absolutely. I am bringing on my favorite game, came out about seven years ago, called Bloodborne. It has equal parts blood, equal parts born. What more could you want? Uh, The perfect... uh... To two perfect halves. Well, I'm really excited to get into this uh, into this game. I'm realizing I'm I'm almost certain we haven't even talked about a FromSoft game on here yet. We've talked about there've been uh there's actually been well this is the way I uh, talk about the Patreon uh, every month. Uh, for my show on our Patreon, we do a Call Me By Your Game co-op episode where a group of people talk about an impactful game, whether it's something that just came out or like a retro favorite. And uh, we did have a huge episode on uh, Elden Ring earlier this year that my producer, Jeremy Schmidt, hosted for me because I didn't play it. Um, but uh, so anyway, I guess we have t- talked about a From game, just not on the main feed. So anyway... Really thrilled to hear from you. It's going to be uh, a good time. Um, but let's get into your history with gaming. Uh, David, do you remember the first time you took an interest in in video games, or were they something that were just around when you gained consciousness? So I think my first console, you know, outside of a handheld like Game Boy, was a Game Boy Mini, or what was the smaller one that was? The Pocket. Big? The Pocket. Nice. 
So um, I grew up with divorced parents, and both of them on Christmas gave me an N64 from Santa. Well, um, two N64s. Two N64s because they <laughs> did not communicate with each other in any hmm, way, shape, or I form. Don't, I don't see why that all <laughs> happened. <laughs> and uh, my dad had actually jammed the N64 box so far up the chimney that it was almost impossible to get out without like opening the box to take stuff out. It was pretty good. I have I have a qu- I have a real quick question. It may steer us on a tangent. Um, well, first is just the realization that the, there were presents up in the chimney. Was that part of the Santa charade? Was like they're up in the chimney. We got to pull them down. Well, my dad all yeah that was part of the charade. My dad also <laughs> would knew that I wouldn't actually look at the cards or anything. So all of them said from Satan instead of Santa. <laughs> Man, Satan is real generous this holiday season. Yeah, really, really doing me a solid. That's good. So uh, that was my first console. But okay. I think, you know, my first interaction with video games truly was going over to my friend's house and doing sleepovers and playing Super Nintendo. Mm. Um, I would say primarily like waking up at 5.30 in the morning with the crack of the sun coming up and going and playing like Donkey Kong Country for six hours. Oh, man. And then just crashing that mine cart over and over again. <laughs> that level, there's a few mine cart levels. I actually just uh, played this game all the way through for the first time, if you can believe it. Uh, yeah, that mine cart levels, it they suck. It's <laughs> they're, a nightmare. They're, yeah, it's it's made for a time when you only had a few games and you had to you did a lot of memorizing and levels Absolutely. like that. But anyway, you were saying. Um, and just to kind of go back to that, I just got a Super Nintendo for the first time last year. Whoa. And it has been fantastic. Okay, we got to hear some games that you've played over the last year then. Oh, Metroid 2, immediately. Um, We're talking um, uh, Super Metroid? Yeah, Super Metroid. Awesome. Which, that's the second Metroid, correct? It's it's actually the third one. There was a second game on the Game Boy. It's I've since been remade. No, it's okay. You know what? Uh, if you ever if you listen to a single episode of this show, you'll know I have none. So you're in good company. Um, you have so played that, a video game though, right? Me? Yeah. Hmm. I think I'm gonna go with I think so. Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> if you haven't, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um, 128 episodes and that comes out. Uh, super. So you got Super Metroid. You played. Played some Earthbound. Oh, it's, nice. And uh, the person who sold it to me, um, I got sold with like 62 games. What? Um, and not only that, I have the arcade like joystick and the button. So we were playing a lot of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the old arcade on that. Oh, Turtles in Time. Yeah. it. I mean, whatever game you're looking for, it's probably sitting in the closet right now. But Dang. Uh, got way into Earthbound. That game, I finally played for the first time like uh end of 2018 begin of 2019 and that was a very special experience it's genuinely hilarious it is very funny so Um, good unexpectedly so yeah i have you ever played uh like since you've played earthbound have you like learned about mother three at all i know a little bit of the like the rumors and stuff. I'm not mm. entirely sure what it is, um, but everybody kind of asked me about Mother 3, and then I, it's, I've been asked so many times that I just start <laughs> lying now just so that people will leave me alone. 
This will be the last time you tell the truth about it. Yeah. Well, long story short, and I keep interrupting you because I'm just you keep saying sharing things that are really exciting. Um, that's my excuse for being a bad host. Uh, Mother Three is a it's it's a sequel to Earthbound. It doesn't follow the same characters really, but uh, it's on. It was on the Game Boy Advance. Only came out in Japan. Uh, but there are fan translations uh, for for English, and apparently it's every bit as great as Earthbound uh, in its own unique way. So I, I want to play it someday as well. Yeah, I definitely want to jump in there. So dang, a Super Nintendo Renaissance recently for you. Yep. I I mean, I feel like I'm actually playing the Super Nintendo more than the PlayStation 5 at this point, yeah. which feels <laughs> like, I feel like I'm an old person. I feel like I'm an adult where I'm yes. just, you know, reminiscing about the nostalgia instead of, being interested in the shiny new thing. Totally. I, but my game playing is a constant, uh, I guess, but back and forth of, am I playing retro stuff or am I playing new stuff? And it's honestly mostly retro stuff because I just have so much crap at this point that I have to justify having these systems and games. Um, Absolutely. Are you yeah. playing your Super Nintendo? Do you happen to have a, a CRT television? Because if uh, not, we got to get you one. Yeah, I got to get a big tube TV. Yeah, now we're talking. Ooh, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, you can, I mean, if you want to find, like, a cheap one that works just fine, you can find them. Like, I think mine was $5. Uh, but you could also find a really nice, like, Sony Trinitron for a little more money, but uh, could be worth it because it probably has really great color. Okay, so what do you plan on your old TV? What do you got going? Oh, man, right now, I'm looking over at it right now. I've got my PlayStation 2 and uh, my GameCube hooked up to it. Uh, and it is the PS2 Slim. I want to be clear with the listeners about that. But uh, recently I've been playing Jack and Daxter for the first time. Have you ever played that like, game? I have like five friends playing Jack and Daxter right now. And like what the heck? Yeah. That's, oh, that's so interesting. This uh, is the summer of Jack. It is the summer of Jack. It's Jack boy summer. <laughs> the summer of Morbius is over. It's summer yeah. of Jack now. Morbius <laughs> had his shot. Yeah, who knew he was com- Jack was coming back. Game from 2001. Um, and, uh, I've actually just pl- played through, uh, most of Chrono Trigger for the first time. I'm, I'm trying to finish it for a, for a little podcast that I want to do on it. Um, and, uh, been playing you, a bunch of, bunch of crap on the GameCube. Did you ever have the pleasure of playing Chrono Cross? No, but I know there's a version on the Switch now. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the version on the Switch, they did not fix anything. Uh, so... <laughs> So it's an it's an authentic direct port. Is but that one that you played growing up? I think that was like the first game that really like shook me um, that I got way into. Um, you know, everybody in, in the same way that like I would say Final Fantasy VII shook me. Um, it seems like Final Fantasy VII just had like a, a much broader sweep uh, with how it affected people mm-hmm. um, and for much longer, but. I think Chrono Cross was like my first JRPG that I, I truly fell for. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, I I do want to play it at some point, and I'll probably... I mean, I'm tempted to get... Because, of course, I could get the the one that's on the Switch the the with the nicer graphics or whatever have you, but I also have a PlayStation just sitting around that I could play that puppy on and really give myself the authentic experience of hearing that disc spin. Do it. <laughs> Yeah, I may as well. Uh, just buying more games <laughs> that yeah, I'll do, play do six it, years from now. Invite me over because the opening cutscene, the song will make up one single tear go down my eye, and I won't be able to tell you why. Uh, that'll be worth it. You can be my uh, couch buddy for that one. Uh, 
Uh, that was fu- that was interesting that Chrono Trigger got us to Chrono Cross back into your history of games. Um, what were some other maybe impactful games for you uh, growing up that you that you've got to mention on this episode? I remember the first mature rated game that I got. My, I had to essentially make a PowerPoint to convince my parents that I was <laughs> mature enough for a mature game. I was probably 13. Yes. Uh, that was the original Devil May Cry. Oh, wow. Which is still an awesome game. That was a PlayStation 2 title, right? It was a PlayStation 2 okay. title. Nice. Uh, man, the things like I've heard from people on this show do to have to either A, convince their parents to let them play a certain game, or B, the, the lengths people have gone to to hide it from their parents. Um, one of my favorite sort of like uh, uh, segments on the show is is, is when that happens. Um, that is so great. Uh, so Devil May Cry. What was it about that one? Is it Because I know it's an action uh, hack and slash game, right? I mean, I think for a lot of the same reasons that I'm drawn to, you know, what we're talking about today, Bloodborne. It's mm. got this, you know, Victorian aesthetic. Um, it combines, you know, let's say modern technology and, and medieval technology. So, you know, swords and guns, which Bloodborne has a yep. significant amount of. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that kind of, you know, for lack of better words, that Lovecraftian aesthetic um, yeah. That kind of comes into both these games really resonated with me, um, even before I knew who H.P. Lovecraft was. Yeah. Um, and now I, you know, in a lot of the work that I do, personal work, and occasionally I get the chance to do some professional work as well. Um, H.P. Lovecraft is like a huge inspiration, not as a person. He is a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know anything about uh, Mr. Lovecraft's history. Oh, he's so. absolutely horrible. Yeah, he's a really bad guy. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. not. I would go as far to say that's not great. No, and and you have H.P. Lovecraft fans that are like, well, you know, it was like the turn of the century. It was a different time, and historians are like, nah, he was real bad. For that <laughs> too. He was like a even bad for then. <laughs> yeah, no, he was bad. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man, that gets into the whole conversation of separating the. Uh, art from the artist. Uh, I've been playing that same thing, except uh, separating the, I guess, the athlete from the dumb athlete uh, views lately with yeah. my baseball team. Anyway, tangent. But it's, um, and tell you what, it's getting harder and harder to do it. Yeah, um, I'm doing a lot of. Uh, I'm jumping through a lot of hoops in my head to make it work, um, yeah. and it usually doesn't. Um, okay, so Devil May Cry on the PlayStation Two. Um, did you? Are you someone who has? Uh, gamed for most of your life or have you had any uh, like dark periods like a a decent amount of time where you weren't really playing games I think oh absolutely I barely have enough time to play video games now so currently I gravitate more towards at least some of the more nostalgic ones Mm -hmm. for me or I specifically like seek out like shorter games yeah Um, interesting yeah so like playing sitting down and playing something like Journey that came out what almost 10 years ago now yeah um it, where you can beat it in like two and a half hours and really feel like you've gone through this experience and you feel accomplished and it's just a genuinely beautiful tale and experience yeah um that's kind of where i i live these days um i would also say one of the most recent games i played was the outer wilds which is oh. a short little game and that yeah. game is a 10 out of 10 that game is incredible 
Oh, it's amazing. The folk, mu- folk music space exploration game. It's oh, it's so cool. It's so good. Did you end up playing any of the? I, I heard the DLC was also incredible for that. I got the DLC and then I played it for like 15 minutes and I was like, I've already beat, like, I feel like I already accomplished something. Yeah, I could have, sure. I could have been fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now it uh, sits on my shelf unfinished and I go, this is just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't know how much this has come up on the show, but hearing you talk about gravitating towards nostalgic experiences, but Maybe more specifically, the shorter experiences to actually feel like you have uh, finished an experience of a game is something that I think uh, as we get older, the more we deal with because we only have so much time. Uh, But I wish I could just sink like 100 hours into some old JRPG or the new Xenoblade Chronicles or what what have you. Absolutely. Um, I I think the one game that everybody just kind of threw their hands up and said, I'm playing it all the way through multiple times uh, in the past, you know, 10 years was last of us part two. I think everybody just kind of threw everything they had out the window and sat down and played that as much as humanly possible. That one I found easier to do almost because it is just, it's linear and you, and I'm not having to go off the beaten path and I love exploring in games. I love seeking out secrets and all that stuff, but I just don't always have the time for it. So yeah, Last of Us too. Yeah, I've really, really started gravitating away from um, like open world games. Mm-hmm. I just I don't have the time. I don't want to have to make decisions. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to feel like I've gone in one direction, so I've missed something. In, you know, in the other direction. Yeah. Um, which is why, unfortunately, Elden Ring has been kind of a tough game for me. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, you get done with doing whatever you're doing the day and you want to sit down and kind of have just like a relaxing, for lack of better words, on rails experience. Yeah. And I have to make a decision about, you know, oh, if I do this, am I going to miss some sort of plot point that makes the end game not as, you know, gratifying? <laughs> or, um, and that that for me now adds a little bit of anxiety that mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in, you know, maintaining in my life. Yeah, that for for fair reason, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think for me now, open world games. Uh, well, they've not been something that I've even engaged with heavily throughout my life. I've only played a handful, but they're a rare experience. Like I'm already just saving myself uh, for not for, not for marriage, but for Breath of the Wild too. I'll be like, that's the next game that I'm actually going to allow myself to sink into. That is that open. Um, assuming that, I mean, I am making a bit of an assumption that it's going to be similar to the first in the way you poke around, but yeah, they're, they're just, there's just not the time, uh, like we're kids anymore to do that. Absolutely. And this might be sacrilege and I've broken a lot of friendships through this, but Breath of the Wild was okay for me. It was sure. fine. Yeah. Um, do you gravitate towards more of a, like a traditional Zelda experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would. I just played the like remake of Link's Awakening on the Switch, and it was, and it brought me straight back to being a kid. Like I remember sitting down at a with a Game Boy, like as a little kid at a wedding that I didn't know anybody at, and just like listening to the theme song from Link's Awakening like over and over again. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is this is the best. And this is living. This is ah finally living. <laughs> <laughs> that game, oh, I could just talk about that game forever. I I mi- it, but it's strange. I missed it as a kid, and only in the last three years 
have I really experienced it. Now I've played each the Game Boy version and the uh, the remake multiple times. I adore it. Uh, oh, for yeah. me, I already know because I have a Zelda ranking personally. It's my third favorite Zelda. Um, wow, what's your number one? The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask is what you went for? Majora's Mask is my favorite game of all time. No, number that, two that is that Ocarina. Yeah, it's freaky. Uh, um, I do have one more, a couple more questions for you. Please. Um, as we wrap up uh, this this part of the show. The first is, if you were to look back at the consoles you've gotten to experience uh, throughout your life, do you have one that sticks out as your favorite or the one that feels like most yours? Oh, that's really difficult. I've always been a PlayStation boy. Okay. Um, that being said, I have had a bunch of Xboxes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I i mean, I kind of was really fortunate growing up that I had pretty much, I would save up my money and get kind of whatever system was, you know, the hot new ticket item. Mm. Um, I think GameCube might be one of the greatest consoles ever made. Yeah, um, we're talking. Yeah, mostly because of things like Smash and uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, there's just so many. Like, Wind Waker is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think GameCube is an incredibly solid console um, that I still play a lot of. Um, so I'd probably, I'd probably say GameCube. But there is a soft spot spot somewhere in me for Dreamcast. Yeah, I love now. Oh, I love it because <laughs> Dreamcast had so many good, just like wacky games that you would yeah. never see anywhere else. Because why would you make a game about like a talking fish with a human face? Like it doesn't. I was make hoping any you were sense. gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. It's so experimental and weird um, that it's it's hard not to admire the console. Yeah, and both and both Sega for what they were doing. Oh yeah, it's it's interesting because both of those consoles. I mean, they're technically the same generation, even though the Dreamcast came out a couple years before. They both did for i mean the standard really poorly sales wise like that's nintendo's second worst selling console ever that the dreamcast was the generation sega stopped making hardware (laughs) um at least you know main consoles uh and but people have extreme fondness for both for the quality of the games and the i think the the variety too it's like i'll go to bat for the gamecube the n64 is my favorite console ever but I actually think the GameCube's library is a lot better. Um, okay. Anyway, um, thank you for uh, for taking me down uh, the memory lane. The last thing I just want to hear, because I feel like we've kind of gotten it from you. You've told me what gaming is like for you um, lately. Did you mention what you've been playing recently, or were those or were those titles you had played this year? I, I'm kind of curious. I have not stopped playing Bloodborne for five years. Straight. Yeah, my man, this is a perfect <laughs> transition. Yeah, between between Bloodborne, Dark Souls three, I mean Dark Souls one and two, yeah. I, I really just live in the FromSoft, um, you know, kingdom. Okay. Um, and occasionally venture out for something that piques my interest. That you know, it's something kind of like Outer Wilds. It's a really yeah. a little zany. Um, and that gets a lot of you know word of mouth about it being a kind of unique experience. Okay, cool. Um, well, David, thank you for so much for taking me, uh, you know, through your history with gaming. I'm sure there's we could have spent hours on every console, it seems like, um, at least the ones you had experiences with. That was a blast. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll finally get into all things Bloodborne. So, David, I will see you on the other side. 
my name is Jeremy Schmidt, and I'd like to tell you about my podcast, Video Games, a Comedy Show. This is, you guessed it, a comedy show about video games. Every episode, a panel of video game-liking comedians discusses a brand new topic, the games they've been playing, and best of all, the news. Are there bits? Arguably way too many. If you like to laugh and or like to play video games, check out Video Games, a Comedy Show, anywhere podcasts can be found. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, of course, here with David Olson to discuss Bloodborne. Hello, David. Hey, how you doing? You know what? I'm even better than when we started because, boy, golly, it's already been so much fun. Um, before we get into you know your personal history uh, with this game and, and anything you want to share, uh, like I told you before, we're going to talk about uh, it's just some brief history and context of what this game is. I have truly got a uh, vanilla Wikipedia three paragraphs pulled up uh, from the top of the page to say. Um, so if at any point you want to interject or uh, clarify detail or what have you, my friend, the, the door is open for you. Um, otherwise, here we go. Uh, Bloodborne is a 2015 action role-playing game developed by From Software and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PS4. Bloodborne follows the player's character, a hunter, through the decrepit Gothic Victorian era inspired city of Yarnum. Is that how we say that? Nailed it. Wow, I'm already off to a great start. Uh, the inhabitants of Yarnum are afflicted with a bloodborne disease. Uh, attempting to find the source of the plague, the player's character unravels the city's mysteries while fighting beasts and cosmic beings. Uh, the game is played from a third-person perspective, and players control a customizable protagonist, hence the term RPG, uh, and the gameplay is focused on strategic weapons-based combat and exploration. Um, and this may be something you want to get into uh, a little more with uh, with your experience, so feel free to tell me to hold off. But uh, I, in doing some research on this game, because I've not played Bloodborne before, um, I, I've got the sense that the, that the weapons and the mode of attack are a little different compared to what the series was before. Do you have anything to... Can you speak on that at all, or or does that just not seem accurate? Uh, no comment. No. Okay. <laughs> Figure you might get one of those today. <laughs> no. Um, the cool thing about you know all of the FromSoft games is that they all have kind of the same lineage. Um, they're hmm. all coming from you know, if you've played one, you can kind of you know find your way through another one. Uh, with, hmm. Inside of the, like the combat mechanics are just kind of how it functions. Um, Bloodborne really kind of took a different approach to it um, in that it was a lot more aggressive of a game than, let's say, like the previous Dark okay, Souls. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of Dark Souls is hiding behind a shield. I mean, if you're not good. <laughs> you hear and that, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of hiding behind a shield and kind of parrying and, like, you know, trying to figure out your timing and everything. While Bloodborne is, they don't even provide you with a shield. I believe there is one shield in it, and it's like two planks, like, uh, <laughs> like nailed together, and it actually does nothing. It's kind of one of their joke items. That's really um, funny. Yeah, it's just a great callback to you know previous playing or like gameplay for Dark Souls, but mm -hmm. um, it, it really is kind of just honed in to be you know playing it aggressively. 
Okay. To the to the point that like if you are attacked and you you know um, have taken a level of damage, you have I think about a second and a half to go on the offense, and if you strike them back, you can start getting a little bit of your health back. Oh yes, because there's like a health regain system. Is that through the combat? It's through the combat. Ooh. Um, there's also you know you can you have for lack of better words potions. They're called blood vials that you know you can inject into your leg and you know get some health back. But there is. Th- the game really is kind of um, it rewards you for being aggressive, but in the in also the vein of you know all these FromSoft games that are notoriously difficult. Um, by being so aggressive, you usually uh, bite off a little more than you can chew, or do something foolhardy, and then you know the game punishes you for that. Yes. Okay. Cool. Thank you. I thought uh, that uh, you know already from just getting to the recording, a lot of the details had had escaped me so thank you for clarifying the the aggressiveness of the combat in this game and the the um the healing mechanic is really interesting as well um so here i'll just jump right back in players battle varied enemies while using items such as swords and firearms like like david even told us earlier exploring different locations interacting with npcs and unraveling the city's mysteries um the game develop, uh, began development in 2012 under the working title of Project Beast, uh, bearing many similarities to the Souls games um, by the same developer and director. Uh, Bloodborne was inspired by literary works of authors, as you've already told us, H.P. Lovecraft and Bram Stoker, and uh, which is the Dra- the Dracula guy, uh, as he's known. Um, not the everybody author, knows but... him as the Dracula guy. Yeah, he's the Dracula guy, right? Uh, and the architectural design of real-world locations in countries such as Romania, the Czech Republic, and Scotland. Um, Bloodborne was released in March 2015 and received critical acclaim with praise directed at its gameplay. Uh, Like the Souls games are, its high difficulty level, atmosphere, sound design, Lovecraftian themes, and interconnected world design. Um, This game is, I've also, I just repeatedly hear this from so many people and from outlets everywhere just on how this is just one of the greatest games of all time. We don't always talk about some of like the pinnacle of gaming on the show because that's not the most important thing. It's based on the guest experience, but this is one of those games that is just, especially in the last 10 years, just constantly held up as like a a masterpiece basically. Oh yeah. It's proven to, you know, uh, essentially just be, it has staying power is really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is still constantly talking about Bloodborne. Um, a specific artist just made a demake of Bloodborne that they oh. made it all workable on PlayStation 1 with PlayStation <laughs> 1 graphics. <laughs> Are they like polygonal graphics? Oh yeah, it's all like pixels and polygons. They made the entire first, I think like 30 to an hour of the game. They just remade the entire thing. That's um, incredible. And then are now, I think, like, you know, being sponsored and stuff to go in and finish the game. Wow. Yeah. The same person also on April Fool's Day released uh, Bloodborne Kart, I believe, (laughs) which was a Mario Kart clone um, that was very funny. So, you know, this thing really kind of does have this huge following, you know, seven years after it came out that people are still incredibly inspired. um, And... I mean, there is a co-op online element to Bloodborne, and you can't... Hmm. I, I've never played it and not, you know, bumped into other people playing it. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I have several friends who love the the FromSoft games and 
both of the people I'm thinking of, Bloodborne is their favorite, and they just go to bat for it all the time. So, yeah, it's it's also, I mean, if anyone's listening out there and you haven't played this and you want to, if you have a PS5, it's on the PlayStation Plus collection. So you can just add it to your library and start it up. I ain't too much of a scaredy cat to do it. So I, I'll jump in at some point. Uh, this is also, this has nothing to do with this game's history and context. But just for you, the only FromSoft game I have tried... Uh, and I, I own it, is Sekiro, and I played about an hour and a half of it and just got so dejected by the game that I was like, I'm going to revisit this another day, and I, I just haven't turned it on. Well, you picked the hardest one. <laughs> I had no idea. It was the new one at the time. Um, the game is impossible. I For that game, I would stop playing for like a few months at a time just when yeah. I would get frustrated and then come back and have to start it all over again because I had just lost the entire groove. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a game that um, our mutual friend Edgar Montplacier has brought up before, and he's been like, "What was that game that Dave made me play?" And he's and I kept think thinking he was talking about, uh, um, oh gosh, oh Ghost of Tsushima, but he was like, "No, it's not like that. It's way hard." And I was like, "Oh, you're talking about Sekiro." So yeah, Edgar did not enjoy boy. that game. <laughs> no, him and I had a similar experience. It seems. Uh, anyway, um, David, any. Uh, you know, specific details or history and context that we need to get out before we jump into your experience? Um, no, I, I mean, I'm still constantly playing this game, so I'm not even sure it's history for me. It's just yeah. the present. It's the present, baby. It's the present. Well, um, let's, let's get in, let's go back a little bit. And I would like to know how you even got into this game for the first time. Were you already a fan of the series? I think I had a roommate in college who did Demon Souls. Okay. And that and that was like the beginning of FromSoft and you know they started releasing games that were notoriously difficult and he really enjoyed them. I didn't want to play them at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I didn't. Um, and then I think somewhere, you know, 5 or 6 years later this game Bloodborne came out and I still didn't want to play. <laughs> Um, this is like I, when Harry met Sally, when they like show you multiple flashbacks and it's just like, they're not right for each other at the no. time, but at some point. Yep. Uh, that's kind of exactly how it went down. Um, <laughs> I just ended up having, you know, friends kept trying to introduce me to their beautiful uh, love interest, Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I succumbed. <laughs> uh, you know uh, what? Tale as old as time. Yep. And so... Um, I think I also need to just come clean that I am not good at this game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have never beaten this game by myself. It is, it is a full co-op experience for me, which has kind of been the same with every FromSoft game that I've done. Yeah. Except except for Sekiro, which is a, you know, solely uh, single player. Um, But there's been just like a lot of um, camaraderie, I would say. And that's oh, kind of cool. the thing that I really enjoy about Bloodborne because it is it is difficult. It is hard. And it is relentless and grueling. But if you have a good friend with you, you can play the same boss 60 times in a row and still, you know, have a good time. And then, you know, you just kind of lift each other up saying like, you know, we only really need to beat him once and then he's dead forever. Like Yes. You just and climb so, that mountain once for a lot of these guys. Exactly. And so I think the level of camaraderie that I experienced while playing Bloodborne and all these FromSoft games is really what made it um, special for me. 
Um, yeah. Because it was fun. I felt like, you know, we were kind of in the trenches together, even if we chose to be in those trenches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it also made like the victories, um, which were, you know, hard won, um, feel like that much sweeter. Yeah. That's great. Uh, was this like, was the camaraderie and the co-op of it all, was that something that you started doing a certain way into the game? Were you like playing it by yourself and then discovered this mode? Do you remember at all? I started playing by myself and could not be the first boss for like yeah. six months. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't again, realize. You came clean earlier saying you hadn't beaten this game alone. And I'll just have to, again, come clean with the audience. And if I'm laughing, it's because I can understand it. It's not because I think it's funny. I I couldn't even touch this. Uh, so, sorry. No, I'll tell you, you I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed to, to be so inspired and to talk about this game as much as I do. Because it does not like me as much as I like it. Yes. Oh, great. Um, so sorry, I, I interrupted you talking about how you got into the, I think, co-op of it all. Because um, you moved, played it like six months, I think, before you beat that boss. Yeah, so I moved out to Los Angeles, uh, became good friends with, um, honestly, the guy who kind of got me into it and the guy that I play all of the FromSoft games uh, together. His name is uh, Tom May. He uh, is a video game developer, incredible environment artist. Um, and so he and I... Ha- I've essentially, I think, beaten it together about seven times, maybe, Whoa. maybe six times. Um, and it became one of those things being like, oh, well, you know, it's Tuesday night, it's nine o'clock, you want to jump on the Bloodborne for a few hours. And we just, you know, I mean, we could beat it at this point in about a week, like, yeah. you know, just in off time. Um, yeah, it became, because a lot of the, the FromSoft games are really interesting in that, like, it is a lot of memory. We were kind of mm-hmm. talking about how, like, you know, the Donkey Kong cart levels are a lot of just, like, memory and knowing the moves and knowing when to hit the certain buttons. And Bloodborne is exactly that as well. Um, huh. It's It's been said a lot that um, it has more in common with, like, a rhythm game, something like, you know, Guitar Hero, than it huh. does with an actual, you know, combat game. Because it's all about reading the moves and waiting for the right time and, you know, looking at the enemies that, you know, really only have, let's say, two or three, four movesets, and then knowing what the correct buttons to press to, you know, dodge out of the way, roll back in, attack, then jump out before, you know, you see another move lining up, and knowing how to respond to that move. Was that, like, as someone who, as we already know, has barely dipped their toe into the From games, this always seems like one of the more daunting aspects of it, I'm sure, I mean, maybe I can tell from what you've shared about how this was a group experience for you, or at least a partner experience, that it maybe never was fully uh, something you fully grasped. I don't know. You can tell me, but that seems like a challenging thing. Was that fun to figure out? It is a lot of fun because when it clicks, you feel like a god. Yeah. You feel, uh-huh. Yeah. You feel unkillable. And all that element of you know the actual like you know timing and the rhythm of it all that really came to a head in Sekiro that's that entire game is a rhythm game okay gotcha yeah it's clicking the right button to you know parry to block to roll and it becomes more like a dance when you see somebody who's good at it who can beat the game without taking a single hit man that makes it sound really appealing it's it's kind of beautiful that the structure of how they made Sekiro and just like how it's all put together and the, the fighting mechanic in it. 
Man, yeah. this, the, this whole, I mean, uh, every game from this series is not, they're not games I want to play, but they're games I would love to watch like a speed run of or like a pro play because I've watched a little bit of that. And it's, as you say, it's like really beautiful and, and just impressive to see someone pull this stuff off. Absolutely. And, you know, they have all those people on Twitch that I think they start with Dark Souls. They do Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, then Bloodborne, then Sekiro. And they do it all, the entire thing in a row without taking a single hit. Um, That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And then if they get hit, they start over. And it's not just like one person. I think a lot of people do this. It's like a community. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I... What what are, are there some like aspects of the game outside of the co-op that you or maybe they could be co-op involved as well that you really enjoyed? Like, did you uh, especially being someone who replays the game? Do you play similarly or have like a similar build? Do you mix it up? I like to mix it up. Um, the really cool aspect of, let's say, a lot of the weapons inside of Bloodborne mm-hmm. is that they all have two forms, like, a you know, a heavy weapon yes. and a light weapon. And they actually have all of them have incredibly unique, like beautiful trans, like transformation animations, mm. you know, turning a sword. I think one of the coolest ones is there's a sword and there's a, a huge like tombstone on your back. And then you stick the sword into the tombstone and it becomes like the whole like battering club. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. It's really, I mean, there's just so many cool, unique, um, and really inventive weapons in it. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite weapons is just a giant, like, spoked wheel. And it's, like, <laughs> it's, you know, six feet tall. <laughs> and you just <laughs> whack people with this giant gold wheel. And it rules. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, you just even doing just a tad research, a bit of research, just saw so many different, like, weapons and people playing in different ways. Like, like I, I know that you can do in Elden Ring, and maybe it's the case for a lot of the other series, is... You could be a mage. You could be someone with a different strategy. Uh, that's how you know I only can think of a few classes. Um, <laughs> so that I'm sure that was... It sounds like that part was appealing to you as well. Absolutely. So every single time you play it, because all the weapons are so different, um, mm-hmm. it, it really feels like a different experience. And with the role-playing element of it, you know, you level up, you use your experience to kind of put you know, points or levels into specific categories. I think it's like blood, arcane, you know, health, strength, everything. And it essentially activates, you know, which items are, and weapons are you going to be more savvy with. Hmm. Um, so, you know, if you go for, let's say you put all your points into strength, you can run around with a much bigger sword. Um, yeah. As opposed to, you know, if you don't have any strength, you probably can't even lift the sword and then that, that item is, you know, unobtainable for you yeah oh that's interesting um what are some like is there another aspect of the game when you think of bloodborne that like you immediately think of that you're drawn to yeah it's a game like all from soft games that do not does not hold your hand in any way shape or form huh, yeah it literally throws you in the deep end um sends you into a room with absolutely no weapons against a giant like werewolf beast <laughs> um and then you can you there's i don't believe any way to truly kill it <laughs> um and then the thing kills you and it just says you are dead and then it's kind of like a game over but you know the the camera or like fades up from black and then you the game progresses 
And so it literally, the first thing it does is it pits you against a, an animal or a creature that you have no chance of winning and then just mm-hmm. flat out kills you and gives you the death screen. Yeah. And so, and so it, it's kind of telling you from the first moment, like what this is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not hiding that at all. So did you, you know, that being the case and the case with I'm sure, a lot of the series uh, was that it sounds like it was fun for you to just figure things out and to learn about how it worked on the fly and not because the game is like has a big finger that's like pointing you to like the button to press or whatever. Yeah, there's there's no such thing as a tutorial. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really did enjoy that um, because they took that element even further um, in the fact that the the storyline or the plot of bloodborne is genuinely cryptic and Mm. you know hard to interpret um and that kind of opened up into a incredible youtube community of for lack of better words like bloodborne scholars the people that have like you know really gone in and deciphered a lot of the things that um you know, were really hard to figure out. And a lot of it, you know, exists in, let's say the descriptions of specific items. Like you put on a pair of pants and you learn something about a character by reading the the description, which is something me personally, I would never be interested in spending that much time. Yeah. But the YouTube community has just like hours and hours and hours of videos, just like really painting the entire picture of, you know, what's happening under the background and kind of like, you know, really dim or, portraying this like pretty in-depth and crazy story and just the fact that these people were able to figure out this plot yeah with with the minimal information that you know the game provides um is incredible that even i mean maybe this is the point you were making but that even uh it seems to almost mirror what they do with the the gameplay with the storytelling is it's also not necessarily fed to you and don't get me wrong like I can really get into a game that is very explicit to you about its story. I just find this fascinating that it's the route they took and it works and people really appreciate it, especially like this community. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, they've gone even further into, you know, I guess the term would be like data mining it, like, you know, kind of opening it up, looking at the code, the source code and everything and finding I think like last year they found an unfinished boss that just never Whoa. got released. Oh, and, and then that if it's anything like some gaming communities that I know, like I I subscribe to the Shadow of the Colossus subreddit. I barely interact with anything there, but they will take any small morsel and just like theorize and speculate and try to find stuff kind of like that. So Absolutely. I bet they do the same. And I mean, the cool thing is, it's like when a game is as good as, let's say, Shadow of the Colossus or Bloodborne, the community is, you know, chomping at the bit for that little bit of extra content, even if it's unofficial or, you know, doesn't really mean anything. They're just interested in the the hunt. Ah, I got it. Hey, full (laughs) circle, baby. Uh, (laughs) He was, I knew knew you had it in you, pal. Um, Man, that is, that's so fascinating. Uh, so you, you've been talking about playing this, um, with this game a lot with Tom, uh, would you two do like sit down on the couch and play this? Would you just get online and play together? So I don't think does couch co-op exists with any game anymore. I, it does, but I, it's probably a lot more limited cause you're doing a lot online. Yeah. So especially with consoles. So absolutely. And I, I've never been a computer gamer. It's hmm. I'm all console. I got to sit on a couch. 
the couch is as much the the draw as it, the actual. <laughs> oh, game. don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way that, and much like everything we've kind of talked about, Bloodborne has a really unique mechanic for um, co-op um, hmm. that you need to essentially exhaust or spend one item. That is not the easiest item in the game to get, and there's a finite number of them. Hmm. Um, and so you exhaust that and you get a little, what's called insight. Um, and then you can bring somebody into your game to help. But as soon as you die, you lose that insight. And so I, oh, wow. I'm not sure how many, um, there are in the actual game, but you know, they're, they're a hot commodity. Yeah. Um, so you hold on to them and you know, there are ways just like everything that you can find a way to farm them. But, um, the way that you can also acquire them is by, you know, doing the exact opposite is going into somebody else's game and helping them out. Oh, so okay. it really, you know, while the game is definitely portraying itself as incredibly ruthless, it does have these incredible mechanics that like lend you lend to like you helping other people while they help you. That's awesome. But then you get the assholes. <laughs> and those are the people that use a different s- style <laughs> To um, they invade your game, and these are online players. They invade your game and come in and attack you and kill you. How do you? Is it? Is there just like a portal in the game that allows you to either go or receive? The, like to... the plot mechanic is like a ringing of a bell. Okay. So there's there's two different types of bells. Actually, there's three. One allows people into your game. Um, so if you bring, let's say, a companion or an ally into your game it now opens up your world too that it can be invaded. Oh, so it doesn't just close when like Tom enters your game. No. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really hostile. Yeah, so if you have two people in your game, there's more likely a chance you're going to get invaded by another player. And then that's where the game becomes incredibly fun because you're trying to fight all these monsters that clearly want to kill you. And then there's a actual incredible, usually incredibly good player that's running through trying to, you know, destroy you. Oh my gosh. Is this something that's unique to this game in the From Soft series? Or no, that's how Dark Souls completely functions oh, wow. as well. Dark Souls is ruthless. Man. Did you um happen to play Deathloop at all? I did not. That's it's, the, the time loop where you're trying to do ex- like insane kills, right? Yeah, you're trying to like take out these certain assassins in like a day, but if you if you die, you're, it, the time starts over. Um, yeah, there's there's just a mechanic in that game if you want to have it open that players online or your friends can invade your game and try to assassinate you. So it just reminds me of like doing that a little bit. And uh, so sorry to interrupt you, but. Really, and I love that mechanic. It's yeah, it's fun. It's very cool, Um, because I love the you know the juxtaposition between you know um, being an ally and then being an enemy, being a Mm -hmm. friend. Um, Yeah, and then you know, as soon as you kind of find out that your your world's been invaded, your entire strategy and your entire game kind of changes because you're like. Oh, I'm like in the middle of you know the woods, surrounded by a bunch of enemies. I gotta get out of here. I gotta go find somewhere safe because I know this guy's gonna be sneaking up on me somewhere. Yeah. And so it adds this like wild card element to the game that it's just it's so much fun. It's Dang. really you hate it the first few times you play Bloodborne, and then by the time you kind of like get into it, um, 
yeah, it becomes one of the, the better elements of it. Very interesting. Another wrinkle I didn't expect, even though I knew there was like uh, co-op capabilities for this game. Um, do you have any uh, either like a specific memory from playing with uh, with Tom or anyone else, or like a uh, or like something that you like to do when you play with somebody? Um, probably some of the best moments in it is just because the game is so ruthless. Um, it mm-hmm. has these traps that you know you step on something that you would never notice on the floor and a huge log spiked log comes and just clobbers you off the map (laughs) um and there's enough of them that it's hard to remember where they all are yes and so playing co-op with somebody you know especially early when i first started playing this game with tom who was beating the game you know 20 times um hearing him laugh maniacally as i get bashed in the head and killed um, by these traps uh, is, is some of the best stuff. It's really good. Oh, and man, then, that is that is funny. Yeah, and now I'm at a point in my life as an adult that I get to do it to all the new people playing. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it, it feels really good. Uh, you have actually come full circle as the, I guess we'll call you the mentor in that situation. <laughs> uh, Bloodborne makes bullies. <laughs> yes, um, and you know what? We could use a few more bullies in this world. Uh, I don't mean that. Um, uh, yeah, David. You're out, you're out on that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just too much of a good, goody two-shoes over here. Um, are there uh, are there any, like, is there anything else about the game that you would be, like, remiss that you didn't share about, whether it's, like, a mechanic, a thing you like to, uh, like, a favorite moment in the game? I just want to leave a little space for that. My favorite moment in the game is that you walk off the side of a map in one specific place that you would never know that you're supposed to do this. And you end up in an elevator somehow and you go down to the bottom of a pit and there's a huge eyeball there. And if you do, the game also has levels of emote. Um, you know, you can- Oh, yes. So there are emotes. If you get one specific emote that is hard to find and you hold it in front of the eye for, I think, a minute and 30 seconds, the eye will blink, and then you'll get one specific item. Um, <laughs> and the fact that people figured this out because FromSoft did not provide any of this information yeah. is my favorite thing about this game because it is so unnecessary. Yeah. And, and it just kind of goes to show how much people have combed this entire game looking for like every little scrap of like something new or something special. That's really fun. It because to not only find this eyeball and then to know to do an to try to do an emo and then to like maybe go through all of them and then to do it for a specific amount of time or it probably wasn't even that simple is still man that's amazing um that's really cool gosh that's so funny uh Okay, well, you know, I, I sort of feel like we've maybe reached the, you know, the, the end of our chat before I get into some post-show stuff, but I did want to just, like, leave, uh, ask you to maybe uh, just wrap up for us, like, what space Bloodborne holds for you? Like, what is this, if you were to put this in, in a sentence, like, what does this game mean to you? It's a lot of blood. Hmm. That's pretty good. It's, yeah. most, it's mostly blood. Just to do with the sprinkle of Bourne? Yeah, just with a little sprinkle of porn. Um, me and my friends want to make Jason Bloodborne. Um, that's the movie we're currently working on. 
Born, <laughs> Blood Born to Run is a song that we're uh, putting together. For real? No. <laughs> I want it to be true. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear is uh, is Jake Pinto uh, actually sing that song someday. Yeah, I, I think we can get him to do it. Yeah, definitely. He likes game. He's having a game renaissance of his own. Uh uh, well, hey, is that is that how you want to leave this game? I just wanted to make sure that you had the space. And yes, did, did I was we do blood it? Bloodborne to run. Okay, that's, that's where we're leaving this. Hey, you know what? Fine by me. Um, well, hey, I, we're not quite done, but David, thank you so much for sharing about uh, you know your experience with the game, both playing you know with with Tom because that those details are really fun, but also a few of the things that made it so much fun for you uh, and what make the game stand out. Um, but uh, I've got a couple of uh, patented post-show segments to get into before we do go. The first of which is the Fact Me by Your Game segment. And that's just where I share fun facts, trivia, development history, Easter eggs, maybe even cheat codes uh, with my guests about the game they brought on. Um, and I have – this was actually a particularly tough game to find any like interesting – uh, development history outside of what we some of the stuff we already had talked about or like secret I mean people have found a lot of secrets but sometimes I find recanting secrets or easter eggs are uh, a little just aren't great for like an audio medium um, it was just tough um, so I'm only presenting one to you today because they all could have just been like this which is like did you know that if you do this thing to this kind of like you shared about the eye um but I'll share one with you, and I'll be curious to see if you had discovered it um, or, like, knew were aware of this. So I have it titled, Music Box is Sad. So uh, there's a certain uh, window in the game, the YouTube video I watched didn't say where it is, uh, that you can have a conversation with some children inside. You don't see these kids. You can just see their hear them and see their text boxes pop up. But they tell you uh, that their father went out for the nightly hunt, and he hasn't returned and also that their mother went in search of him, but she left her music box there. They, for whatever reason, give you this music box, and they tell you that it plays one of their father's favorite songs. Um, and so if you inspect the box, it's inscribed with the name Gascon. Uh, and so apparently when you interact Father Gascon, which is a, a boss in this game, are you familiar with Father Gascon? I know him well. Best friends, it sounds like. I've had a beer at the pub. Uh, if... I don't know if you actually have to activate the music box or if you just have it. Uh, the song that it plays will have a brief stun effect on the boss. Uh, you know, I guess implying that even in his sort of mutated, uh, bloodborne state, that it still has like an emotional effect on him. Um, was this something you were aware of or is this just like fun news for you right now? This is something that I have only utilized the, the two times that I've tried to beat the game so well. Um, oh, gotcha. So uh, I'm currently trying to beat it. Um, I definitely use like use that technique. Um, nice. And that's the only way that I was able to kill him. Wow, dang. So I mean, at least for your experience, sounds like a powerful one. Oh, it's really good. Okay. Uh, it, I could have genuinely probably shared like a bunch of more facts that are just like that, but I didn't feel like just uh, reading off of a script of something I barely understood. So that was the only one I have for you today. Again, music boxes, sad is what I called it. <laughs> and the final segment of the show, uh, the game recommendations. Uh, so this is my one uh, forced tie into the movie Call Me By Your Name, which this show is uh, sort of named after. 
and I'm going to uh, treat Bloodborne as your romantic, passionate summer love, the fling that is. But of course, like all flings, you're going to move on and you're going to find different romantic partners in your life. So these recommendations are going to be based on some traits in this game. Um, So we'll see what you think about these. The first of which, David, is, and this actually... Uh, I didn't realize how well this recommendation was going to work out because of uh, you've been spending so much time with your Super Nintendo. I was going to recommend if you wanted to play an action RPG in another legacy series um, that's uh, of the 16-bit variety, I'll recommend to you Terranigma, which is a game for the Super Nintendo. Are you aware of this game at all? Do you ha- is it right in front of you? <laughs> I, I might have it in the closet. I've kind of <laughs> lost track at this point. So there's no. so many titles, so no. What is it? It's it's an action RPG that apparent that uh, is is made by the same company who made a game called uh, Soul Blazer. There was another action RPG, like top down uh, action RPG, for the Super Nintendo that are just beloved by fans. And Terra Enigma, from what I could gather, is sort of the culmination of all of those. Um, sort of in the way that you know Bloodborne for a lot of people that I've interacted with is um, a really special culmination for that series. Um, even though people probably have their preference. So, And now I got to jump on eBay and spend $750 to find yeah. a copy of. Now, now, <laughs> now we're talking. So you're the one I'm bidding against. Uh, yeah, so Terra Enigma is that first game again for the Super Nintendo. If you want to play a game with a, like this game has horrifying elements to it, but you want a completely different style of gameplay and you don't want none of this Victorian stuff, none of this Lovecraftian stuff, you want it in space. I'll go ahead and recommend to you a game called Dead Space. Scary, spooky. Do you Have you played this game before? Dead Space is incredible. Oh, okay. So we and got a player here. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and it's also in the middle of a big remake. It, it is. So, because uh, I... When is that supposed to come out? I don't even know... I think I actually don't know. Probably next year. Um, yeah. I know they're doing it. You know, it's not a remaster; it's a remake. So they're building everything from the ground up. Um, yeah. And just as a side note, I think the main character Isaac has one of the greatest uh, outfits or costumes or you know armors of any game ever. He always Ooh. looks so cool. Dang. His, his design is unbelievably awesome. Wow. Well, I gotta look up this guy Isaac and see how cool he looks. Uh, but Dead Space is your second recommendation, and then your final one, David. If you know you what you loved about Bloodborne was that you loved the Victorian of it, the nature of it all, the Lovecraftian nature, um, the fact that you're not only you don't not only have a sword, but you can use magic or maybe even guns. If you want to play a game that is all of that, but a I, I, I'm afraid to call it a piece of shit because it's not a piece of shit, but it's ba- all these elements of it are way worse and suck compared to uh, Bloodborne, and it's also incredibly linear. I'll recommend to you a game I've played all the way through, and that's Fable 3. I haven't played a single Fable. The first Fable I've, is one of my favorite games of all time. The second one apparently is even better, and the third one is was like an extreme disappointment. And But they did introduce guns in that game, which was a big deal. Finally, what we need more of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fat. There's the there's the Floridian and you talking. Um, that'll do it for your recommendations again. Terra Enigma, Dead Space, and Fable Three, and that'll actually bring us to the end of the episode. 
Um, so before we go, David, uh, and do what, plug whatever we want, thank you so much for not only joining me, but having the patience to stick around, uh, you know, in my life and my, in my circles to do the show. This was so much fun to hear from you. I didn't realize how, you know, passionate you were about gaming. Who knew that's why you wanted to be on? That's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why yeah, we're all here. <laughs> you know what? It's true. Um, but thanks again, dude. Uh, is there anything you want to plug on your way out or shout out before we go? Um, let's see. I have an Instagram. I am beginning to be a little bit of a amateur, um, nature photographer. So, um, you know, if anybody likes lions, a bunch of, uh, African cats, um, really anything, um, hit me up on, uh, dsolson.jpg on Instagram. Um, I also have an upcoming film festival that's going to be in October that I am directing, um, directing a film festival. Directing a film festival with uh, with a few friends uh, based off of a book of movie ideas uh, that you can buy at Skylight. So if you are interested in an incredible, incredibly like funny and fun, uh, I would say like office book, um, yeah. check out my movie ideas by Clark Allen. Um, and that's kind of what we are using as the inspiration, uh, you know, in tandem with him actually being uh, attached to the festival. That's so um, cool. Yeah, we're looking we're looking at having a lot of fun with that. Um, so uh, you can probably get a little bit more information about that on my Instagram um, when cool. that gets a little bit closer to October. Awesome. I'll be sure to put a link uh, to your Instagram uh, in the show notes. I will say, people, pretty good follow. I'm, I've been giving out the likes. Pretty good follow. Um, well, I'll go ahead and close this out uh, with some plugs of my own. Thanks again uh, for doing this, David. Um, the cover art, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and his other great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. The show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. Uh, you should check out his show if you don't already listen to it. Video Game's a comedy show. It's more of a roundtable-style video game podcast. This week's episode uh, was all about fan translations. So they talked about different fan translations that we got, both good and bad, the pinnacle of them, Mother 3, which we talked about on this show, gets a shout-out. You can follow me on social media, Connor underscore McCabe. Uh, And you can also, uh, again, if you want to support the show uh, or in our whole network and see a lot of the bonus content we do, that lives on Patreon at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. I've shouted out a bunch of what we do there on the show. We're doing the Donkey Kong Games Club right now. The next episode will be on the Game Boy game Donkey Kong. it's titled Donkey Kong, but we call it Donkey Kong 94. Um, that's going on at the $10 DJ Toad tier uh, through November. And there's truly, all, there's almost a, a bonus episode of something that comes out every day on that tier during the work week. So check it out. Um, that'll do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. We will see you on the next one. <laughs>